Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 115. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. We're back. Yeah. Um, remember when we both predicted UCF to beat Tulane? Okay, I'm not going to take any crap for that because I, I made either. like I could not have made more clear in our preview episode that I, I said I basically start every sentence with if JRP is healthy, if JRP is healthy. At no point did I say if Gus opts for Tommy Castellanos for two whole quarters, UCF will win the game. So I'm off the hook, frankly, you know. Yeah, so that game happened. Sure um, did. UCF lost, what was it, 45 to 28? 45 to 28. And I don't know, like from, from the jump, I think part of it was like, I could tell that John Rice Palmy wasn't fully healthy, but I could also just tell that the defense was not going to stop Tulane's offense. So I was like, yeah, this thing's over. It was like two drives in yeah. and I was like, I don't think it's going to go well today. Well, the issue is what's up with John Rice Palmy with the hamstring and it seemed clear in the game was that he's just, his mobility just isn't there, which obviously is the centerpiece of his game. I mean, he can still throw the ball. He can still move a little. It's just the speed, the explosiveness isn't really there. And you combine that with a defense that, uh, wow, has just completely unraveled these last few weeks, then yeah, that was not a winning formula. I do have to say, as far as like um, things that probably shouldn't have happened the way they did, when Tommy Castellanos came in, which if you listen to this, you obviously realize that Tommy Castellanos came in and basically played two full quarters, and oh my god, it went badly. Um, when he came in and then stayed, and I was like, wow, JRP must be really hurt, maybe he aggravated it, whatever. Then JRP comes back in, late in the game. And by the way, if, if I'm being a little quieter than normal and not screaming, it's because I'm in a hotel in New Orleans right now. So I'm trying to not like, you know, be over the top, but, <laughs> and I'm just so the defense was horrible, but now I kind of do have to live. Cause when JRP came back in, they quickly made it a three point game before falling off again. And now I have to live with if the coaching staff hadn't just inexplicably decided to burn a true freshman's red shirt as I, I mean, it's like, if you watched the game, you saw the offense could do nothing with Tommy. And I mean, nothing. And that's fine. He's a true freshman. He's not ready. When a bunch of you people who are oh so smart wanted him to start, you know, going into the season, <laughs> that performance is what we were talking about when we said that wasn't a viable option. And I'm just a little confused as to not only why he was put in and had his red shirt burnt, but why he stayed in for so long. If John Rice probably clearly didn't have to leave the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have an answer. I don't know that anyone does. The only thing and it, I wouldn't have even thought of this. I was actually having lunch with a friend today and they mentioned to me, could it have been that he was just being evaluated? But I was like, I think like it's a long time to be evaluated. Like yeah, if, if he aggravated it and it was like, I think they could check pretty quickly if it's something he can play on or not. So I don't know. That's that the only excuse, thing, honestly. but I just can't, I can't, he was out like two full quarters. Yeah. And it was probably what it probably was. Ah, I don't know. Can't even really speculate. Cause can I give my, I know during, Okay. Someone tweeted this, and I, I don't remember who. It was in my reply somewhere, and they tweeted it kind of as a joke, and I feel like it's actually true, is they said, like, well, the issue is that, you know, uh, John Rice Plumley's mobility is limited because he, you know, is hurt, so he's no longer the rushing quarterback option. So Gus had to immediately switch to the rushing quarterback option. I'm like, I feel like that's actually probably not that far from the truth, that I feel like Gus was just like, well, Tommy's got wheels. We'll throw him in there, see what happens, and it just was spectacularly horrible. I mean, the worst the offense has looked in probably five years. Yeah, the the only other theory that I have is that you I mean during the USF game after the USF game, Gus at, or told everyone he said like, well, yeah, John Rice probably like wanted to come back into the game. We just didn't feel comfortable letting him in the game. I wonder if it was a thing where like, yeah, his like hamstrings definitely bothering him. Like he's not going to be the guy the guy that we can rely on. So let's go with Tommy. 
And then on the sideline the whole time, JRP is just probably annoying the heck out of Gus. And it's like, hey, I can go back in. I can go back in. And finally, Gus was like, all right, well, if I don't even try putting him back in, this is over. And Gus said in post game that JRP wanted to come back in. And that was yeah. sort of what happened. But my whole point being, yeah, why? Okay, that's fine. But if he was healthy to the point where he could have stayed in, why did he ever come out? Because you can't even say it's a player safety thing. Because if it was a player safety thing, then he never would have come back in. It was just Gus getting to the point of like, oh, yeah, wow, this really isn't working. So that was the big screw up. The other screw up, obviously, he's talked about is the defense. I mean, I don't under I don't fully understand how the defense could have gone from even up to the midway point of the season looking like the best defense in UCF history to just basically crumbling in the the tail end of the season. I guess the two ways you can look at it is one, you can look at it as, you know, maybe it's just everyone's banged up now. There wasn't a ton of depth there, maybe just injuries. And because the other thing is, I feel like people look at injuries as very binary of like, well, a player is either healthy or not playing. And it's like, I think that everyone's pretty much banged up at this point of the season. Gus has talked about that. That's true for all teams. But I wonder if the defense has just gotten worn down. And I think a bend don't break defense doesn't work quite as well when you have a worn down defense in the tail end of the season. I think that's one possible explanation. Like another possible explanation is, is Travis Williams going to be here next year? I, I don't know. And if we, I, I don't know anything there, but if he ends up taking another job at some point in the next week, it might be like, Hmm, that, that might explain some things as to why the defense just suddenly collapsed. <laughs> I was thinking about you look at coastal Carolina has been on a tear these last few years. And it leaked out that Jamie Chadwell was going to be um, heading to Liberty and they just bombed their conference title game, even though he's still the coach. So if something like that's going on, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know anything there. I'm not trying to like drop coaching rumors, but like it, that, if he does leave in the next few days or in a week, I'll be like, well, that's the explanation as to why the defense just fell off, you know, fell off a cliff. Yeah. And that's an entirely different conversation as far as losing Travis Williams, losing potentially some very, very highly rated recruits. If he does go, if they were committed to UCF because of him, sometimes that a lot of times I think that is the case. So, I know a lot yes. of UCF fans are like, oh, you know, get, get T-Will out of here. Like terrible. It's like guy, the T-Will leaving would be bad like really really bad and i don't know who they would be able to hold on to from this very very good class because this amazing ucf class talk about other oh, recruiting has been great it's largely been defensive players talk about john walker the harris twins um braden marshall all of cave and call all those guys so i you're lo- gonna lose some of them john walker yeah. I, I, well, I mean we'll see some of them might be okay because i know like kenny martin's been involved there but I, I that's not a good situation if he leaves you need those guys for the big 12 and I've wondered, like, there's been some sort of, I don't know if there's any disconnect or what it is, but down the stretch and at kind of therefore and re- like retroactively looking back at like the beginning of the season and just this defense as a whole, it seems like that Ben don't break style is like almost what the defense was designed to be. Like, it was just like, yeah, no, I think it was that. that absolutely and I'm wondering if like that's but is that because of that that's travis williams style or it's because hey they're still kind of waiting on getting his guys getting their guys in here because right now they're still playing a defense of mostly leftovers from the previous staff and some transfers i just think i don't know if i mean i think we really overrated the secondary in the offseason and i think just with the personnel they had i think ben don't break made the most sense i I think yeah so i'm wondering is like if he does stay and he does get to have these these highly rated recruits come in, like, what is that going to look like? I think it better. could be a lot better. I, I'm not so, even like, yeah, I'm not. I mean, you look at the issue with what happened nice against Tulane is you talk, you talk about a bend, don't break defense. The whole point of a bend, don't break defense is, okay, you allow chunk plays, they you allow chunk plays, they can get their way down the field, but you're preventing those big home run knockout plays. And Tulane had like six big home run knockout plays, so it just wasn't working. But yeah, I, for the people who want T-Will fired, like you need T-Will, and you really do. He's a very, very good defense coordinator. If he's getting hired away, there's a reason for that. He's also um, very young. 
He's very young. Uh, the recruits he's bringing in are the guys. He, I mean, we talked about this podcast. I think with if he were to stay and UCF were to keep these recruits coming in at the level he's recruiting, they could have one of the best defenses in the Big 12 within two years. And that's nice. And honestly, if you lose this class, things are looking bleak. Things are looking really bleak because that just sets you back another year from being able to actually compete in the Big 12. And you're not going to be able to compete until you get more of those guys. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where, where they go from here on, on that front. Like if, if he does go, I don't know what happens, even if he stays, I feel like there's still going to be a, a very large adjustment period next year. Cause when you look back on this season, it's like some of the games they lost and the way they lost those games and some of the, some of the games they won the way they played those games. It was like, yeah, this kind of is not going to cut it next year. And Oh, absolutely. They're going to get destroyed next year. I, but I, I, even before anything that happened against Philly, I've been saying that and I actually, yeah, I, should check the results i threw up a poll earlier today because i was curious i said how many games do people expect ucf to win in 2023 (laughs) oh man dude it's just i don't know what to say to some fans so let's look so i I gave a few options so 24 percent of fans have said eight wins nine wins or 10 plus wins which none of those are possible just like letting you know now if if you listener or one of those 24 people 24 percent of those people we're at 809 votes that's not possible so just wrap your head around the fact that that will not be happening um the goal next year is make a bowl that's it. That's... And and I don't know if they can do it. I mean, you look at the schedule. I mean, we'll have to actually see what the Big 12 schedule is. And if they luck out and get like a nice home slate or if they end up getting to play a lot of the expansion teams who they match up well against, then maybe we can talk. But I mean, out of conference, you've got Kent State at Boise State and Villanova. Even if you sweep those three. OK, if you sweep those three. You just have to go three and six in the Big 12 to get to a bowl. I think they can do that. I think asking for four and five is just not realistic. I don't even know if three and six yeah. is realistic. You know, I mean, I, I... and when people say. Because sometimes I've said stuff like that on past podcasts and people have come at me on Twitter and been like, how could you say that? You know, we always like that. We claim the national championship based on the opposite that UCF can compete with anybody. And it's like, let me be clear. 2017 and 2018 UCF could compete with anybody. Those teams were fantastic. This team is not. We're a long way from those years. uh, There's no comparison between where UCF is at now and where UCF was at in 2017, 2018, or frankly, even 2019. So I... And that's not necessarily on this staff. Uh, the situation was pretty bad at the point that Hypo left. And I don't think anyone thought it was going to take one or two years to completely get that back up. And listen, this is a year where they still played for the conference championship. And I don't want to like act like this was some trash year because it wasn't. But, you know, they're sitting at four losses. They lost some games they really just shouldn't have. I'm not saying the conference title game is one of them, but Navy sure is. You can make a case that East Carolina is. And it's just been a really weird year and the problem i think more than anything when you look back on the season and i tweeted this is it's just it's a season of almost is they almost hosted college game day they almost hosted the conference title game they almost won the conference title game they almost went to the combo and they didn't do any of those things and what scares me is what that all came back to is just the stunning inconsistency we've seen from this team throughout the year how they can depending on the game look amazing and like they are legitimately a top 15 team or they can look like they are literally not able to function and when you have swings like that it feels like it's coaching because i don't know what else you can pin that on yeah i tweeted something not only the coaching front but basically i tweeted this morning i didn't tweet a lot yesterday but um this morning kind of just woke up with the clarity of it was actually off of a tweet from trace where he said how tulane had snapped their 61 game uh losing streak against ranked opponents last week and they obviously went back to back against ranked opponents and I tweeted something like that where it was like Tulane deserves it. They've been more consistent, yeah. you know, like UCF beat them the first time. But when you look at the two teams throughout the year, Tulane's the New Year's Six team. Like UCF yeah. has – there was times where UCF looked like the New Year's Six team, but they were – I don't think – can't even say they were like ever really in that realm for back-to-back weeks, I don't think. like I don't think so. I, I, I mean, the best maybe stretch SMU of the season, and Temple. The best stretch of the season, no matter how you look at it, was the three-game stretch of – 
beat Cincinnati, go beat, go on the road and beat Memphis, go on the road and beat Tulane. And that stretch included two different quarterbacks and that other three games, which is just a quarter of the season was really the only time they looked consistently good game to game. Like that's and it. when you also, when you also look at how they bookended that three, that three game run where before the three game run, they had lost to ECU by 21. And then after the three game run, they lost to Navy at home and then nearly blew a 28 point lead against USF. It's like, what is this? Their, their last double digit win of the season was Temple. That's crazy. Very long time ago, and, almost two months ago. <laughs> and just to roll back one of our old talking points that we love throughout the season, when you talk about inconsistency, I do think a big part of that was quarterbacks. John Rice Plumley was a remarkably inconsistent quarterback, one of the most inconsistent UCFs had in modern times. And that played a role because the offense was just kind of at the mercy of how he was going to do. And, you know, I'm not saying put in Mikey and they would have been 12 and 0 because I don't think they would have been. We all saw the Navy game with Mikey. Mikey played well in other games. It's just one of those years where it's just, it's like, I know it's such a cliche sports thing to say, but it's like, they just never put it together, you know? And it's just wild to me that we looked at last year, UCF went nine and four and that team, no matter how you want to look at it, I thought that was an amazing coaching job by Gus because that team talent wise post injuries was like a five and seven team. And I could not believe yeah. they won nine games. And you look at this year where all the talent they added through the portal and through recruiting completely turned over the offense, basically a lot of, a lot more difference bakers on defense. And they are once again, nine and four. And it's just been so funny to go from year to year. One year, it feels like the expectation was so dramatically exceeded. And the next year, it feels like you're still at that point. And it just feels like what a drop off from the schedule and all the advantages going your way to somehow still once again, be nine and four. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the difference, it's just, I mean, yeah, that three game run, like notwithstanding the the difference is that this year they played for the conference title, like cool. That's yeah. the improvement, but which great, still, but in four, any other it, year. So. In any other year of the AAC, this team would not have gone to the conference title game. Like I'm, I'm getting a little because I do want to put it, look, put it, look at it through that lens of it's hard to get too pissed off about oh a conference championship season where you play for a conference title, but it's like this team was not good. I mean, they went to the conference championship game with two losses, which no one has done in the AAC forever. Uh, UCF, it's nothing like the UCF teams of past years, and they lost to Navy at home. They they mightily struggled with a one and eleven USF team. I, I just they just weren't that good this year. You know, I, that's the bottom line. And I mean, we can nitpick all day about why that was. And honestly, I don't really want to spend a whole lot of the offseason going over it because we'll have stuff to talk about. It's more just like, you know, this is where you're at. And next year is going to be a schedule like this team, lit, quite literally like this team has never seen. And now it's just about how do you get from here to functional? Because yeah. this team in the Big 12 would, like you just put 2022 UCF in the Big 12. I, I It's not good. It is not good. So that's going to be the talk yeah. of the offseason is what can they do to get ready for that move? And let me tell you, like, uh, I know a bunch of you want T. Will Fire. Losing your defense coordinator, not a great way to, to kick off moving to the Big 12. Ask Cincinnati how not having their head coach has been going the last week because it's not going well. Yeah, not great. Um, all right, do you want to leave the Tulane? I guess we're not really fully leaving the Tulane stuff there because the next thing we have to talk about is the quarterback situation going into the game, and that was Mikey Keene letting the coaching staff know that he, did want, he wanted to hold on to his red shirt and how that kind of – that's the thing. Like it kind of impacted the game because yeah, when JRP went out, my, it was Mikey that was would have been the backup to go in. But also, I don't think quarterback really is the problem with a team. You know, with that game, they gave up forty five points and almost seven hundred yards. But still, it was just a situation. And I think more to talk about is the reaction. Yeah, to Mikey Keen making probably the most understandable decision that he could have made in that situation, and how just so absurdly ridiculous everyone's being not everyone yep. 
a, well, the people there's, people, there's that's the thing is I'm, I feel like we're making this group bigger out, bigger, yeah. making it out to be bigger than it is because it's really not. But there's a minority of UCF fans who are just going the angle of, oh, how selfish of Mikey. He quit on his team. Selfish, 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 selfish. And I He's just Dylan Gabriel 2.0, all this other stuff, which is just lunacy in the highest form for people to take that first off and i it's funny because i see a little bit of it on twitter and if you go on facebook there's a ton of it and i'm like that's not surprising because i know that some of the older <laughs> folks in the fan base and i'm not saying if you're you know if you're older you're not like a valued member of the fan base and like that you absolutely are but a lot of people who are taking the selfish route are, are you know a lot of them grew up in a time where they were watching college football where student athletes basically had no power whatsoever and were just forced to be completely at the whim of their program if you were a student athlete in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, even you commit to your team and the coach can lie to you, say whatever the hell he wants to you as well. As soon as he gets that signature, he told you, you're going to start right away. You are just beholden to that coach and they can work you like crazy. They can be verbally abusive to you, whatever the hell they want, because you're on the team and that's the way the team works. And and then and then they can leave for another job and you still have to say, if you want to leave and go to a new school, you have to sit out for an entire year. Damn right. And for some reason that people thought that was the way college football was supposed to work. And now we're moved into an era where players can, I don't know, like actually live their own lives a little bit. And the question I want to ask with the people who are calling Mikey Keene selfish, and let me tell you, you all are insane. Like this isn't like an opinion thing. You were just insane. Um, you look at Mikey Keene's journey at UCF. Let's rewind. So Mikey Keene, 17, 18 year old kid coming out of high school. He commits to Josh Heupel at UCF, signs his letter of intent. He's on campus. Not even a month later, Josh Heupel has left. Josh and he has come across the country at that point too. Came across the country to to whole from Arizona to Florida, and all the coaches who committed him there and said, "No, no, you're gonna be great. Come across the country. Come here." They leave. Whatever. What else is he gonna do? He's stuck there at that point. Mikey stays. New staff comes in, and Mikey, being the hard worker, the awesome player that he is, ends up being the second string quarterback. Dylan Gabriel goes down. Mikey steps up. He's been ready for this. He plays. By the way, for all of you who kept saying Mikey played bad last year and you kept not understanding why we were impressed with how he played for a true freshman, look at how Tommy played and get back to me on why how Mikey played was impressive for a true freshman. All that being said, seven and three is a starter. Really, really solid and promising true freshman season. We go into spring and Gus Malzahn is doing everything in his power to find any living body who is not Mikey Keene to be the quarterback. Just throwing things out there. He ends up settling on a guy who was not even a quarterback to bring in. They then hold what we now can just in the open say was a completely fake quarterback competition. There was never a chance. Gus just wanted to give the illusion that it was a quarterback competition. Mikey, as reported at the time, outperforms JRP in spring, outperforms him in fall. Gus benches him anyway for the wide receiver. Mikey then doesn't quit on the team, doesn't enter the transfer portal, doesn't slack off. He studies. He acts like a coach. He's ready every game. And when his number is called because JRP goes down, he went, beat Cincinnati, gives UCF their first top 25 win in four years. Now we're at the point where Mikey has to move on. There is no path for him to stay here because Gus will never give him a fair shot because he's not a Gus Malzahn quarterback. And you all are losing your minds that he is not willingly going to give up a year of his college career for a team that has done nothing for him. This program has done nothing for Mikey Keene. It has just screwed him over for a year and a half. And you guys have the audacity to get on social media and trash talk him. It's just pathetic. It's just absolutely pathetic. I, it's just the worst side of UCF fandom and just sports fandom in general. This whole that a student athlete is not a person. They're just a player. They're just a cog in the UCF machine. And they are beholden to team. you and what you yeah. want. And if they don't do anything that you specifically want, that they're trash and garbage, quit on the team, blah, blah. It's disgusting. It's freaking disgusting. I'm going to be honest. By the end of last night, the I, I was less disappointed about the loss and more disappointed with how people were treating it. It was, so it was just like 
I don't I, think I'd put it ahead of the loss because that sucked, but it was incredibly frustrating. Yeah, but at a certain point, the loss just felt inevitable. So I, just, I started <laughs> pretty accepting much like it very by the early. end of the first quarter, it yeah. was like, yeah, this is not going to be a win. I started accepting it very early, but yeah, no, it's just it's 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 ridiculous. I I can't believe like, and again, it's not everyone, and and I would say probably a significant majority of people have been really nice about it and and really understanding about it because again, this is a, a decision that's what's best for him. And obviously, yeah, he has, uh, as of today, we're talking on Sunday, he entered the transfer portal today as expected. Um, and everybody, I, I really wish it would have all just been nothing but well wishes. And I, I think most people weren't directly replying to him with just ridiculous things that they were saying, but there was a lot of, a lot yeah. of just trash. And like I said, we're overplaying stuff. what is definitely a minority, but it's been enough to be worth talking about because it hasn't been like a couple stray comments. Like it's been probably 10 or 20% of people who were just... It became like a storyline. It became like a storyline of the game where it was like, oh, well, if he wouldn't have quit on his team, they would have won. It's just absurd. Which also, and the people, and that's not even true. That's my favorite part is it's not even true. I just, and the other thing that I want to point out that a few people are missing because they're like, you know, he'll, someone replied to me, was like, he'll, you know, either way, like quit on the team or not. Like he may never have a chance to play to win a conference championship game again. Why would he turn that down? It's like, we all know that like, listen, the portal opens tomorrow, but like, we all know that all this, you know, stuff happens you know behind closed doors i mean players are talking with staffs before they get in the portal etc cetera, etc cetera. and you know gus is talking to players right now who are in the portal i'm sure but it, it, any team i mean it's not like mikey Keene's coming in with some amazing resume where it was like dylan gabriel last year where he's gonna have 50 offers and just pick where he wants to start i mean he's gonna have to work for wherever he wants to go he's gonna have to work for offers and it does make a difference when you are in that it would not surprise me if when he started talking with coaches last week if he got a couple comments like hey well you should really are you gonna how many years of eligibility do you have that's not gonna get burnt are you i mean that stuff matters you're a significantly less attractive prospect if you're entering the portal with less eligibility and for i just gotta say real quick and for all the people with the like well why did he say you know in the press conference it's like oh my god i am so sorry that a 19 year old kid or 20 i don't know how old he is you know, and it got in a room in front and in front of a bunch of reporters was pressed about what he was going to do and just said, yeah, let's go in a championship. And also ended up having after, changes after an week. emotional, emotional win, dramatic win against your rival. Like, of course, what is he going to say right right then? He's going to say, oh, no, I'm not like it, it was just. Yeah. Well, Bailey, I'm honestly, sure not. I'm sure not a single person who said that on Twitter has ever changed their mind about something in their lives. I'm sure they've been steadfast in every comment they've ever made, have never told a lie, have never nothing. They've been perfect, beautiful, amazing human beings, I'm sure. And I 100% you know. think that's a part of it, too, is that maybe at the time he might have honestly meant that. He might have truly meant that. I think and then he, he starts talking to coaches and coaches are like, dude, you're going to need that extra year of eligibility. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a major difference of him entering with three years or two years. It's huge. It's an it's entire huge. year. I yeah. Mean, so it, it just I mean, we don't need, we don't need to give those people any more attention because it's yeah. just been just really, him the really, really because... lame of of them with everything yeah. that Mikey gave to UCF. And this is his farewell moment. And they're just making a big deal out of something that's not a big deal. It's just incredibly frustrating. But again, I'm, I'm fans are going to very fan. curious to see which team we're going to be covering next year. Yes, of course, the Pegasus podcast will be the Sun Devil podcast next year. Who knows what? (laughs) That's a joke, by the way. I hope no fans listen to this like, oh, man, I'll have to find a UCF podcast. (laughs) Oh, I guess this is the end of the road for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. All right. Let's get to this last thing, which is honestly a big thing. I don't think we have even referenced it once. Um, UCF has its bowl destination and opponent. They'll be playing Duke in the military bowl. Yeah. Up in Annapolis, Maryland. It's on Wednesday, December 28th at 2 p.m. And I'm sure there will just be thousands of UCF fans in attendance. Um, yeah, this is oh, this is not a good 
uh, matchup for UCF. Um, I will say right now, and I'd love to be wrong, I am not entirely convinced they can win this game. Um, it would certainly help if John Rice Plumlee's healthy if he can heal up in these next three weeks, which three weeks is a good amount of time to get your hands yeah. right. So, but either way, Duke is like, let's be clear. I, I feel like some the sense from some UCF fans been like, oh, it's Duke. It's like this isn't the Duke of past. They're in year one of a new yeah. staff. They're eight and four. They've had a solid defense, a pretty good offense, and their quarterback uh, is actually a very, very good quarterback, Riley Leonard. He's been like one of, one of the slept on gems of the college football season. He's dual threat. He's put up a bunch of touchdowns and highlight plays. This is not a guy that you want to see UCF's defense go up against with the way it's been playing. And I mean, this is a team too. They just beat Wake Forest in the last week of the season. They've won, what is it, four or five? Yep. Um, their losses, one of them was an eight point loss to Kansas, who was undefeated at the time, a three point overtime loss to Georgia Tech, a three point loss to UNC, and then a two point loss at Pitt. So, I mean, they're. Not bad. <laughs> Their only bad loss is to Georgia Tech, and it was in overtime. I mean, everything else is acceptable. Yeah. I mean, that's this is a good team, and I'm not convinced UCF is at this point. So this is worrying to say the least. Yeah, um, I'm also not thrilled with the whole bowl itself. Like, I I don't know. I I think I don't know. I guess I just got too locked in on. Well, yeah, if they don't win this game against against Tulane, they're going to still they'll play a game in Florida. Like they'll play a bowl game, whether it's Gasparilla, Boca, whatever. They won't leave the state and, you know, fine. We'll go have a fun time and finish the season in Florida. And now they're going up to Maryland and I'm like, all right. Well, you would have had a good reason to think that because this is literally becoming the first time since 2010 that UCF is leaving the state for a non-year six bowl. I don't know what happened there or why it happened. I don't know why. I'm pretty stunned. Um, The Gasparilla Bowl is going with two P5 teams this year. They're getting a Wake Forest, Missouri matchup. It wouldn't surprise me if that is part of it because the Gasparilla Bowl absolutely would have taken that matchup over putting UCF against one of those teams because – UCF will show up with 30, 40,000 fans for UF. They're not going to for Wake Forest or Missouri. So, and once Wake was off the table, I don't know what happens at that point. I don't know if UCF would have ever lobbied for Cure or Boca again. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. So it's unfortunate. I will say for anyone listening to this, who is like, I really think the way to complete my 2022 year is to watch UCF lose to the Duke Blue Devils. Annapolis is a beautiful city. I love Annapolis. I've been there a couple of times for UCF games, for other stuff. It's, fantastic city so awesome travel destination for sure but just like you know no one's gonna be there like i don't even know who i'm that's, talking to that's <laughs> like, the no thing is like go. it's and i've heard from you i've heard from a lot of people actually that annapolis is amazing and i'm like yeah any other time like i'd consider it but it's like three days after christmas on a wednesday afternoon they're playing duke they're probably not gonna win they've been yeah. frustrating for the last like three weeks I'm like all right i just end the season <laughs> Which it's funny because them they could win. Like I'm not sitting oh, here and be like they're 100 percent going to lose. It's just from what we know of basically the last month of each team, I wouldn't gamble on it. And Duke also isn't like the type of program so accustomed to bowls that like all their best players are going to opt out. Like they're going to yeah. play the game. And there is such a difference between them winning this game and losing this game because if they win this game, they're nine and four right now. They're 27th in AP votes, which means if they win the game and beat Duke, they will finish the year in the top 25. Would be their fourth top 25 season in six years. That's Double a huge accomplishment. Wins. You get to 10 wins on the season. 10 and four is not a bad record. I've said a billion times, I will never complain about a top 25 season. If UCF's in the top 25, I'm happy and I'll shut up. If they lose, they are nine and five, which is just a not good record. Disgusting and record. You just come out of this year basically with nothing, with five losses. It's just awful if they lose. Awful if they lose. I don't know how you look back on a nine and five season. Then you also have a situation where, okay, we're two years in the Malzahn era. You're heading to the Big 12, and you've gone 9-4 and four and 9-5. and five. That's not promising, and that's not interesting to recruits. And frankly, at that point, is UCF really going to spend all offseason shouting about being the future of college football after going 9-5? and five? 
following nine and four, following six. They and potentially four. should stop with that already. I mean, I think they should go ten and four. Probably. It was a really so. cool idea that first off season. Then you, if they'd taken a step back and been like, "How is this going to play if we don't do well?" Like you would have noticed, that's probably not the best idea. But here we are. Yeah. That's yeah. I don't know. It'll be uh nine and five is a gross record. Terrible. Give me 10 wins. Give me a top 25 season. I will shut up. We will say whatever. 2022 could have been better, but we will take it as it was and move on. If they go nine and five, bad, awful, terrible. So yeah, we love one. Well, obviously like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, cause you'll get most of the time you'll be like, all right, yeah, it's a bowl game. Like bowl games, the bowl results really don't matter, but it's, it's the last game you're playing and you won't, you'll think about that game for the next eight months. Okay. We talked about this last year because what you just said is a hundred percent right let's like not rewrite history you all hated 2021 like you hated that season people no one had fun and then ucf went and and won the bowl game and now 2021 is like what a great foundational year like it's like it's stupid but the end every it's the same thing every year every season is completely colored by the bowl result if ucf wins the bowl we will look back on the entire season as a more favorable journey we will feel better in the offseason Great for us. 10 wins. Awesome. If they lose the bowl, you see, we will just have a sinking feeling of the program is heading in the wrong direction. Everything is awful for the rest of the offseason. That's just the way it goes. And neither is true. Like we put way too much value on bowls in our minds either way, but that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be interesting. Well, obviously we'll have more time. We have three weeks now to get into more about this matchup and actually have an actual preview before that game. And talk more and see if you know i don't know if any other people are going to the transfer portal before then oh i'm sure someone out there's there's different things that will happen but should we just start an unfounded transfer portal rumor like on the podcast um yeah i'm entering the transfer portal because all of you are annoying (laughs) (laughs) wow bailey how selfish of you you quit on the pegasus (laughs) podcast (laughs) yeah that's true um yeah, I don't even really want to start. What do you what is it? What do you have in mind when you asked me if I wanted to start an unfounded transfer? Well, I've just there's been a lot of stuff that's been annoying me on Twitter for the last like few weeks, especially among UCF fans, where people are just like really throwing things at the wall and just being like, <laughs> I heard this or that or whatever. By the way, like the whole Tommy was QB2 was like the worst kept secret ever, like speaking of that, because you know, there were a bunch of people who were all like, ooh, wink wink, I'm hearing things. But yeah, the people who were excited, and... people were ex- like, people were like, oh man, it's Tommy time. And I'm like, do you guys understand how a true freshman quarterback works? Like, do you get what that's like? But all that being said, there's people have been starting a lot of unfounded rumors in UCF Twitter lately and acting in the know. And I feel like we should get in on that. I don't think I agree. All right, who could be you all can right, get guys. on if you all want. Right, guys, all right, I'll get in on all right, guys. You this is Christian first. Simmons speaking. You heard it here right first. now. My my sources in my brain and only in my brain, tell me that um, UCF is going to steal Deion Sanders' son away from him and that Deion Sanders' son will not be falling to Colorado. He will be taking a route into Orlando where Gus will convert him to wide receiver. So that's what my sources are telling me, guys. So go ahead and spread that on Twitter. Deion Sanders' son coming to UCF um, to play wide receiver and not quarterback. That's a – because, you know, why would Gus use a really good quarterback at quarterback? So. <laughs> my greatest fear right. now is that one person will not understand that and like yeah. tweet it but whatever now we're in on the unfounded nope. rumor fun so i feel like we did good don't want me in with that i'm not i'm not in on it bailey was my source bailey confirmed it to me guys so <laughs> i just wow how did we get to that i mean like this is know. like i don't, I don't even know where to go from there i guess we're just done all right i think we're just done. guys we'll have another podcast at some point <laughs> yeah are we we'll doing one this week later. yeah we're doing a yeah yeah we'll yeah <laughs> <We're doing laughs> later this yeah, week. six times um yeah 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 
I know right, we talked so, about what we were going to talk about. I was going to say that, but I didn't know if we'd like set that in stone. So I didn't know if I wanted to say the topic. Yeah, I don't know if we have yet. So we'll discuss it. And you might need to wait on tuned. a certain thing to happen or not happen now before we can have that podcast anyway. Yeah, that's true. Look, All right, now so we're doing tuned. it. Now we're actually yeah. doing the vague. All right, I love it. Okay, we can have right, Now stay tuned for the next podcast to see what the next podcast is about. That's, oh, that's how this works. Um, but yeah, until we're back later this week, be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us on this Sunday episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.